Did you know our hearts connect deeply wherever you and I are in the world? Hi, I'm Andrea Patrut, Intuitive Life and Relationship Coach. Here at Healing Through Oneness Podcast, together we find what makes us unique and what keeps us united. We learn of past wounds and ways to heal. We release old stories and create new, empowering realities that service now. Join me and my guests every Wednesday and Friday to recognize the truth within, discover why you are precious, connect with what sets you apart, and allow the world to welcome you and resonate with your heart. We are one. with all of you here um what i have here marjorie marjorie dietring welcome welcome my dear margie um thank you so much oh i'm so i'm just never today okay um <laughs> so this is the first episode of my interview series, Building a Healing World Through Oneness. And you, Margie, you are here the first one because there are multiple reasons and I'm gonna leave the best for last. Um, so Margie, I met you, I don't know, maybe three or I don't even know how many weeks ago when our colleagues, teachers of the School of the Heart from Chile, Eda Suarez, and uh, Hofan Chao from Hong Kong created an event that we're going to participate again to uh, at on November 21st, which is a, a Sunday morning. And we connected very fast. It you was. bring such um, beautiful energy and i would love you know i invite people to listen to you and feel how your words touch them and i will share at the end or with another occasion how it touched me because i felt with you something that honestly i think only people who live in the heart like you do can show us. I've seen it with one of our teachers, and you're, I'm sure you're going to talk about him, Daniel Mittal. So, Margie, you are the best one to share your life story. I can't read through the bio, but you already have the bio. I shared it on Facebook. What are the most important elements from your story that we need to know to show us your amazing journey with heart imagery? And um, what have you noticed? about it in your life, how it impacted your life? Well, as far as where I'm, I'm from, um, I come from a background that valued education. So I have a couple university degrees. I've had three different careers. I uh, taught public school and college and uh, many years on reservation schools. My husband's a park ranger, so we've lived out on the land quite a bit. And this was something that I brought over from 
my childhood because as a as an only child living on a farm the animals and the and the land and the water and the rocks <laughs> that was where i spent my time um and there there was my joy um especially with the dog and the cats and the I was lucky enough to get a horse when I was quite young that I rode bareback. So I could feel, I felt these animals, you know, we were like right there. Um, after, after I finished college the first round, I did go back later on for um, a master's in earth sciences when I was living on reservation. But I think my base, my first incursion into meditation was with the practices called transcendental meditation that was back like 1970s maybe even 69 um, and what i found there was that very quickly you could shift from feeling like you're breathing like to and um and that was really the only technique I knew. Um, I added on some yoga. And then we started living in these wonderful national parks. And, uh, I, and uh, I had the only two kids in North, Northern Glacier. The only two kids in uh, our subdistrict was 75,000 acres. And they were the only two kids there. And, um, you know, the main challenge there was keeping your eyes because there were bears and and elk and you know a lynx living under the porch and um and it was wonderful i absolutely made my heart it kept me just being happy connected with the earth when we moved to the navajo reservation i was lucky to be able to um there is a national park there canyon de Chay, and um i was teaching there and I was lucky enough to teach Navajo, most primarily Navajo students, also some Zuni and Hopi kids. And then later on I taught in Zuni Pueblo and we lived actually on El Moro National Monument in New Mexico. Actually the houses were built on a, a slope that had eroded down from ruins. They were not on ruins, but the slope had ridden down and there were you know, you could walk 50 feet and be very close to where these are. You could see the edges uh, of the dwellings. And there were places there where there were petroglyphs uh, in the rock solstice markers. Um, there were places there where you could sit and, and just let yourself. After flat had to be got it. Um, but there were places where you could sit there on the corners of those ruined sites near those near the petroglyphs and on more than one occasion it's just like boom it's just like kind of like a tunnel not a whole not like being in the ancient scene but it was like a tunnel it's like you're looking through and there was this very old village and uh, people were just doing their thing and the interesting thing was that and most people down there didn't see me, but there was one person who did, who looked up the hill and saw me and came up. Oh. And that was one of the first um, 
I don't know, I don't like to call them wake a vision, a waking dream, but like a mm, seeing things in a tunnel, like a, a, a tunnel where you can see be in another time temporarily or view another time it's, it's almost like the near death not like a near death experience but it's mm, it's not the same thing because i've been there uh, it's something else but yeah it's like looking through a different um, into multi-dimensionality of, of 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 the world and actually seeing another dimension it's something like that yeah like you know, as, as Drumble always said, that there are all these times, and many people say this, that all these times exist at the same time. It's just different timelines. And we have the ability to actually step from one timeline to another, just like we're stepping from one sidewalk onto another. Can I interrupt you a bit? Please. Um, before you continue, there are two things that uh, I, I just want to check with you. First of all, Dranvolo, we're talking about Dranvolo Melchizedek, yes. the, the, uh, the one who wrote uh, Flower of Life and who uh, started the School of Remembering and the one who is, I think, your primary teacher in the School yes. of the Heart. And, and then you mentioned the Hopi. I don't recognize all the other names of the indigenous people, but Hopi, tell me if I'm right, appears in one of Dranvolo's books, is it? Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. can you yeah. tell us more a bit so people know why because uh, you mentioned hobby and uh this is an important key element there that connects to your story what is so important about the hopi the hopi have uh in fact all the pueblo people but the hopi are have a larger group and they live closer together in the area uh, in north eastern Arizona. Um, there are, they originally were on Hopi mesas. There are four mesas and then and for defense. And uh, then they farm down below. But the, the Hopi have a, a, a yearly cycle of, I think it's 12, but it may be 13 because there are 13 full moons in a year. As opposed so they follow to, the, lunar, the lunar calendar. Yes. And they had their there are uh, a number of kivas, and they all have a primary activity, and uh, and there's a, a celebration uh, cycle every year. It's about every two weeks during this during the dance cycle. Um, about every two weeks, another kiva will take over with the prep, and you see you've seen everybody seen you know, the kachina dancers, what they look like, that kind of thing, and um, but anyway, the reason that they do this is that all of these are representative of something that's to be known and understood, a quality of creator, if you will. And, and I hope I get this just, just right, um, because it's a rather deep topic. But, but the gist, the important part of it is that when, um, when young men are about 11 they are inducted into the kiva of for their lifetime and from then on it's their responsibility to keep this particular cycle going and they do it for all of us because if they were to stop doing their ceremony they believe that everything would just 
fall apart. They're keeping the world going for us, if you will. They're like feeding the cycle with, with their devotion and their ceremonies and their sharing. Um, so, yeah. Is, is it, are these, are the Hopi uh, or somebody from the Hopi is the one you've seen through the tunnel? Now going back to your story or is some, somebody considering from another? Considering the location, these people were probably, probably moved to Zuni Pueblo which is the closest Pueblo to Hopi. Okay. Um, but there are a lot of uh, the, the, the Pueblos are, Pueblo people are people who were, uh, they didn't move so much, you know, like the Plains people moved a great deal because of the animals and so forth. But the Pueblo people um, made um, adobe structures. And some of them are, if you go to, go to Zuni or, um, or Acoma, you're going to be able to see, kind of look down, and you'll see that these are layer after layer after layer. They just keep, as things fill, they just keep going up. Um, so that they're not tall, so, but it's, um, you know, they may be, maybe four or five stories, but not, I mean, not like really tall, but they, as things crumble, they just keep building them up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it's a very cohesive society. And no, no, they're just, I had, uh, one year I had Zuni sixth graders, and that was just the year that the boys were going into the kivas. And so they would be doing their thing, you know, they have to be up with the elders, they're being taught, um, you know, they're learning the stories. And, um, and that's actually what the, those of you who might have a Kachina doll, that's actually what those were for, was to, was to have a physical thing to show the kids, this is who we're talking about. This is the story of this. So that when they got, went to the, the celebrations, they would know what it meant, what it was here represented. Um, and it connected them to their past, to their ancestors, right? Exactly. Because yeah, when you said it, I felt the connection going way back, like way back. You feel the line, you feel the lineage, you feel the connection. It's, it becomes part of your being. Uh, can you, I interrupted you, so please forgive yeah. me. Can you uh, tell us, continue your story with the, with the tunnel? So the fact that it was like looking into another dimension and sure. what, why that impressed you? What was, what was the impact on you and why? Well, the, the impact on me was, well, first that I could see this and I could see the ruin area down down there and then all of a sudden it was like you know it was new and there were all these you know folks that were um dressed like people do for for pueblo ceremonies and just but the one person so you could think oh well this is just like a waking dream right but when someone goes and starts walking up to you it's like you know that all these timelines are simultaneous because I was still exactly where I was. I mean, I don't know how long I was kind of in this in between, but I don't know. But, um, but those so all it was another dimension. 
it's was. not like yeah it's not like anybody can go where exactly in the spot you were and turn around where the tunnel was and and go through the tunnel and go in that dimension and not in that yeah. dimension and go in a real place like it's not something right. we can find on map and say oh you know i can show you on a satellite map that that's where that guy was no like, it's something yeah. in between dimensions in between happened. yeah but that area is maintained by the zuni uh, by the Zuni priest, because there was one time I was in our house and a pickup truck pulled up right in front of my front yard. And these men stood up and they were dressed as uh, dancers. These six guys got up, they got out of the back of the truck and them and the people in the truck kind of in lockstep, kind of... Um, not running, but kind of where you're taking shorter steps, more of a ceremony. Anyway, they went to this ruin where I had been sitting. And um, when I went up there, and then they, were, they did their thing, and they came back and got in the truck and just left. No, didn't say anything to me at all. I mean, it was in front of my house. But then I went up, and there were clipped either, I don't know if they were raven or crow, but there were clipped feathers at the corners of, those, of that ruin. Hmm. So they had, they, so it's maintained. And this is the thing, this is with hope with the Pueblos, but with the Hopi, they are, they are, um, they're maintaining it for us. They're holding that old relationship and they're holding it together. You know, the Drumbelow said one time that the, when some of the uh, Tibetan monks came and were visiting him, and, um, or maybe he was where they were, I'm not sure actually. But he was talk talking with Tibetan monks, and they said that the Hopi are their their brothers. I mean, and not just like you know, you're my sister. Yeah. But, but that they actually had been do the same were, thing. They're the same thing, and then at one time they were together, and then they moved. They migrated to different wow. parts. Yeah. Well, the time I th I mentioned to you that I got was lucky enough to spend some time in the mountains of Colombia and the um, Sierra, Sierra Madres and with the Arhuacos and the Koji and the Wivacos, Wivas. And um, one of the, the connection here between them and the Hopis is that they also are dedicated to keeping things, what they, what they, the term they use is origin. O-R-I-G-I-N. They want to keep things as origin because anything else is, well, you know, we see people, they, we can all agree on the basic stuff, right? The really, really, really basic. We're going to love our families. We're going to eat. We're going to find shelter. We're going to all do that stuff. Yeah. But then we, we get into big arguments about the details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these folks, I was lucky enough to stay and sleep and eat um, with the, the families had their had their house you know but but with the, we, we guests got to borrow housing for the school kids and there were houses in you know uh, hammocks and um, and then we would go in the day and actually early in the morning uh, and and they would talk to us um, they talked to us a little early because they had the belief that any, any prayer that you make before the sun comes up 
is more important than anything you do the rest of the day. So um, that's why we have the uh, at powwows, or I don't know if it's also at other events, but I've seen the indigenous people here in Canada uh, uh -huh. doing prayers at sunrise or before sunrise. They they have a special ceremony. So now I see the meaning. Thank you. Yes, mm -hmm. and and the, and the, I did powwows for for years, and that was one of the most wonderful things about doing powwows and having my store, uh, having Ancient Way Trader set up there was that people were invited in and that was wonderful. But when everybody went home, then all of us that were camped there, the, you know, the drums, the big drums and the singing, um, they would sing until midnight, one o'clock. Wow. After they'd already been there all day. But of course it cooled off at night, but that was part of it. And also, what else are you going to do? It's kind of like sitting around a campfire. What else are you going to do when you're hanging out in the summertime, right? <laughs> um, but that it's like a heart massage. When you're listening to the drum. Yeah. Yeah, I took the first power. Is the beat steady? Is the beat steady every single time? Mm, no. There's what they call Southern style and Northern style. Southern style is more of a, Northern style is, and you really, really get hopping so on Northern it's a style. Fair, yeah. it's, it's the same rhythm, it's just faster. Northern okay. style, like, like you might find if you went to a power with Cree people, it's much faster. And, and the singing is higher pitched. Um, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, I first um, started studying with, with Drumvolo, or started, well, I shouldn't say, well, I think just listening to him, I consider that studying. My first time uh, listening to Drumvolo talk for a weekend was like 1999. Wow. And, <laughs> and that was way back when there was just uh, the flower of life. And so that's what everybody was learning was a flower of life. And he, the sacred geometry for people who are watching uh, this live replay, this, uh, he, Dramalo Melchizedek was teaching sacred geometry through the flower of life workshops. Life yes. workshops, sorry. Mm -hmm. And now in Awakening the Illuminated Heart, we teach his original way of going into the heart. Oh, okay. But what he found uh, in the 90s and the 80s uh, what he found was that in the workshops that he would have, they would be almost all women. So what he was doing was teaching, what the way we talk now is we call it the feminine way. It's more intuitive. It's more easy. You just, you know, you just go. And, um, and this is the way his, his wife helps people, Claudette Melchizedek also this way. But what he found was that there were very few men that were coming. So he said, so he, he, he knew because of his teachers that he needed to get the information of how to go into the heart and how to activate your Merkaba. Which is, was, we could say the body of light. Can we the, say body the body of light. Of light? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We first got the kind of the Leonardo sphere here, which is our, our Taurus, but the energy that's going through our body coming in and out and going every direction. But, 
coming from from in and from out and going in through the middle here. And then uh, then the, the Merkaba is kind of spaceship shaped, strangely enough, and about 55 miles across, 55 feet across, not miles, 55 feet. Although there are bigger Merkabas that are bigger than that. I mean, there's a, Earth has a Merkaba. Uh, what was I gonna say to you? Dromvolo and flower of life and how he started teaching and what what he noticed yes. about men and women yes he noticed that to reach more men he he felt that that every that both genders needed to have this information so he made it a more logical uh, logical sequence so that the men would also feel comfortable learning it and women could learn it as well but when we did it that way we needed to actually keep um we needed to, to do our activation or kind of support it every day. Um, and it wasn't active, it wasn't um, in truly in place and permanent for two years. But this you one, talk about the Merkaba. The Merkaba. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but then later on, of course, he moved to um, Prescott and Sedona and um, and then most of his I think his greatest number of people that he reached was through through the Creative Living Center in Sedona. And then he went from that, he started getting more insight, more learning uh, from his guides. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he started kind of slowly making it more intuitive. So we had the, you know, we had Flower of Life and we had Earth Sky one and two. Um, I forget what they call the second one. I think they just called it the advanced class, then awakening in the illuminated heart for several years, and then uh, cosmic grace. And um, I met Daniel. Oh, one thing I want to say about Drunvalo is that if, if you had a chance to see, if those of you who know him, mm -hmm. this is the only person I think I have ever met in my life that is totally present all the time when you talk when you speak with him he totally hears what you are saying there is no ego that gets in there if you ask him a question it is totally yours it has nothing to do with any of his background anything that you know the human beings have okay now because i know how this feels like as a person who as a practitioner and also a teacher uh, of heart imagery does that so for people who are here we always say the best moment is now be present be present be present but when we're talking about people like dromvolo and when you're talking about dromvolo when you say he's present and he, what he's saying is your answer or your it's it's your words what i understand as uh, as i'm doing this in my work with people is you come as a blank slate in a conversation mm -hmm. and who's listening is not you is your heart and your heart is listening to the heart and and we can say the higher self higher consciousness super conscious or inner wisdom or whatever we want to call it from the other person's heart or being is it mm -hmm. so it's when whether you see the images or you hear the sounds or whatever it is for each person when we when drumvolo is present like that uh he he actually becomes a, could we say 
just uh, maybe like the drum or, or like a, the sounding board is just a, sort of a, I want to say reflection, maybe that's true, because uh, he, he's not him, you said he doesn't have the ego, so he's just no. listening and turning back what you can hear or what you need to hear from your, your guidance. Could that be? He's still fully him, but he's able to completely let the details of himself leave them out of the way. So that I think my best way of describing it would be that he is a pure mirror, a pure reflection for us. So <laughs> I say, you know, this is what's happening. I'm not sure what to do. And so he listens and without any of his preconceived ideas said, well, you could do this or this. And there's, there's no judgment with what he says. But he's just, he, he like, when he's, when he's speaking to us, I mean, he may tell us a story that has him in it. Mm -hmm. But, but he's not, it's not, He's not talking about, I don't know, I'm, I'm, my words are not coming, but he's it's not, hard it's, to there's no ego. Yeah, it is hard to explain. It there's is no, hard to explain no because there. one, we are not used to that. People are, judge, we are judgmental with each other. People are judgmental in general. Oh, and, and our, of ourselves. Exactly. And, and so it's a difficult, we are, we are standing in our own way first of all, and then we are standing in the way of hearing the other person. Um, so we're just leaving on that. He is the, for now, because we're going to talk about it and the upcoming events and whatever we're going to do together. So he is, a, uh, a, you said a pure mirror or a, a pure mirror? I, think I, I said he was a, yeah, I, I did use the word mirror, but he's mirror. like, yeah, he's a mirror. My, yeah. yeah. I had a friend who used the phrase um, about somebody else that we knew. But she said, a, a mirror and a magnifier. And I thought, oh, that's exactly. Because the, the voice of the inner wisdom, everybody, I mean, who is listening to themselves, the voice of the inner wisdom is not shouting like the ego. It's right. very soft and, and whispering at the beginning and becomes louder only because you want to listen to it, not because it is louder. It's louder right. because you are, like you say, magnifying what you hear. So I, mm -hmm. I get the meaning uh, of what mm -hmm. you say. But coming back to how you got to heart imagery, you learned ah. from Darmvalo. So did you, did you take all the courses he had? Because you did. had 11 years of, um, of experience, right? I had, well, there's even more years, but I had 11 different classes with him. I did take, the only thing that I missed were a, a couple of trips that I actually didn't um, know about. Um, that there were a couple of trips that he took off site. They weren't really classes, but you know, when you go with Drumvolo, I mean, You're learning. it is, yeah, it's a class. But funny thing though, that one of those things, um, one of those events, I went with someone else with a different group because I wanted to do ceremony at, at Equinox at Chichen Itza and some of the other sites in the Yucatan. And when I got there, Drumvolo was there doing ceremony. And so I wanted to just follow Drumbolo, of course. But <laughs> I would do <yeah>. that too. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, 
we have had that we had that blessed thing and then several ceremonies at at uh, different ruined sites in the Yucatan and while I while we were there that day a prince a prince a priest came from um, Peru uh, an Incan an Incan priest young man um, I think he said he was 40 um, which for me, you know, being 72, is like 40, yeah, you're young, you're a young guy. But anyway, he was dressed very traditionally with lots of uh, um, woven, strongly woven cloth, uh, you know, black and, and, and red, very bold patterns and feathers, large, you know, large feathers, very, very imposing. And he was looking for people who said, now tomorrow they're Tomorrow there there must be a ceremony at Mayapan, which is one of the lesser known pyramids. He said, and if he said, and I have been, my priesthood has been preparing for this. It only happens once every five hundred years. Wow. To, yeah. He said, so my priesthood, that's all we've been doing, is passing this on, passing it on, again, holding on to the ceremony, keeping it going holding on to origin, bringing origin up to the present. He said, I need, I think it was eight people. I need eight people for couples. I need eight people to go to Mayapan to do this ceremony on the top of this pyramid. We have to start very early. So I'm at my place, uh, at my hotel, and I'm we're supposed to meet at the, I think it was called Hacienda de San Antonio. And uh, I told this person that, you know, I needed a cab. I said, so I, I went and talked to these people, you know, like, I need to go to, to the cabbies. I need to go to uh, San Antonio, Hacienda de San Antonio. And so I got somebody who thought he knew where he was going. Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of countryside going out of um, Mira. I can't think of any other town, Mira, Mira, not Mira Del. Anyway, there was a lot of, a lot of going around. So I got to see some countryside, which was cool, but I ended up getting to the Hacienda too late to go on the bus. I find out later, there were enough people that went, he had the eight, and he was very grateful. I saw him later, he was dressed like a regular South American person. And he said, you know, this is, we did the ceremony, it's good. And I am now released. He said, that's what my priesthood has been doing for the last 500 years is bringing this wow. ceremony. He says, now it's been done. So all of the priests are released. He said, now, he said, and, and all these fight, these, all these folks all this time had to be celibate. They couldn't, and they also couldn't, well, I guess being celibate means you don't have a family, but I mean, also not um, intimate, not, yeah, not intimate, not, not have a, not have a wife, whether they're intimate or not. But anyway, he said, we can all, we, we can now, he says, I can, I can get married and have a family, oh. but, they, but they had. 500 years of preparing and he's and he was fully like he was like we need to do this but he had released it you know it's like 
these people, this is either going to happen or it's not. And if it doesn't happen, then I will be a priest until the day I die. We'll have another, we'll be preparing again for another 500 years. Wow. But it happened. But because I missed, I missed the bus, I ended up at the Hacienda de San Antonio and it was, uh, there was um, a meeting of um, North and South American Native American elders. Okay. I'm not a tribal member. I found out maybe 40 years ago that I had Native blood. Okay. But, but wow. I'm not a tribal member. Mm -hmm. But I missed the bus and the taxi left. And so here I was with all these people from all over, uh, you know, and there were, there were Lakota people, there were people from, there was a sound heater, healer from Ecuador, there were people from Venezuela, Colombia, uh, the United States, New York, because there were still a lot of Northeastern tribes and, you know, and, and Western tribes. These people were there. There were people who had uh, partly walked and taking, taken buses from Guatemala and Honduras a large number of, of Mayan people. And see, I'd always been taught that the Mayan culture don't and language don't yeah. exist, right? Well, we had this, this, I ended up in this meeting and they were translating from uh, Spanish to Maya, Maya to Spanish, and then somebody was doing English. And there was somebody who had a small group, I think, for like one day that maybe they did a little French for, I, and I don't know who that was for. Maybe they were from the Guianas. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so that very same day, we, uh, there was going to be a celebration. I, I said, I shouldn't be here. And they go, well, are you? And I said, yeah. And they go, are you over 50? And I said, yeah. And said, well, then you're supposed to be here. And that was, which is, this was something that, you know, that we think, oh, well, it's not the plan, right? This yeah. wasn't my plan. And then someone told me, um, well, did you try to go on the bus? Yes. Did you end up here? Yes. I said, oh, well, then obviously you're supposed to be here because my, my tour was going somewhere else. And I got in the I got in the cab. The cabbie didn't know how to get there. I missed the bus. I found I found this group of people who were speaking different languages. And oh, it was so beautiful and the wonderful, beautiful Mayan woman who was had the incense and she was swinging the incense, constantly going around the circle, swinging, doing the incense. They used copal in the in the incense burner. So you missed one event that you wanted to go to, and that event went perfectly fine. People were released, things were uh, were done. Uh, every the the fact that that happened only once uh, every five hundred years, uh, and you actually were present where you were supposed to be, and that's where I remember. That's why this interview with you is called "Your Heart Knows Your Path." Yes, yes. You you know we're we are. If we, if we just let life, well, we, I don't mean be lazy, but if you, if you look at what your options are and pick the best option and, and actually believe 
the answer that your heart gives you, it turns out okay. So that night, I, that was the night I ended up on the bus with everybody, uh, with all the people from the, the, the conference. And we were on a bus going to a cultural center, a Mayan center, where they were going to tell stories and dance. And we were going to have traditional food. And that's the one where um, I was sitting there. And all of a sudden, we these, this means it's a school bus, right? So Yeah. Well, no, it had higher seats than that, I think. I can't remember. Anyway. And I just kind of went, and I was gone. I was just straight out gone. So there was an accident, and you 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 hit your head. You had a nope. No. Nope. I was oh, sitting there, and all of a sudden, I went somewhere else, and I just kind of fell forward, and I saw things. So hold uh, on, because I'm 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 stopping you, and please forgive me, everyone watching this, because I this is the second time I hear the story, so I misunderstood the first time, and I want to make sure there was no accident. It happened mm -mm. all of a sudden that you lost consciousness. And I just felt, because of the way the seats were, when I fell forward, I just kind of did that. Wow. And I had my journey, and I don't know how long it, I don't know. But I was conscious of this drum in the background. You heard, you would hear all the time a drum in the background. Near the end. I don't know if it was there at the beginning or not. And finally, I just, you know, it was, I saw the end of what I was seeing and I sat up and there was a, a trying to think of the name, his, his name, Willa, Willa Bliza. Willa Bliza was sitting next to me, who was a, a Lakota medicine person. Ahead of him was a, a, a sound healer from Ecuador wow. and he had handed his drum back to Willa Bliza and when I was like upright again I I looked I think I said thank you but he said the reason I did that was that sometimes when people go like that when they go on a journey sometimes they just keep going they don't necessarily come back. So the drum was so to bring you back here. If you need to come back. Come back to where I was, yeah. And he just, then he just, without further ado, just handed the drum back to the man from Ecuador. And then we went on to the. Uh, Do you think they knew you have to come back? And that's why they did the drumming? Or they do the drumming no matter what, just to, to, to guide the person if the person needs to come back? What do you? Well, no. my I don't know. My gut feeling was it was to remind you that this, that this there is a path back. Oh, okay. And you get like to, the Ariana's right in the maze. To, uh, by yeah. the way, your logo is a maze. Yeah. Your logo has a maze, and and there's a man in there. Um, maybe you tell us. Yeah, maybe you tell us a bit about that because this connects to your story. Uh, well, and the <laughs> this is it. <laughs> When we were living um, on the Navajo reservation, I, I love, I've always loved things that were handmade. And which is one of the reasons I made a store for selling authentic native things for so long when we lived in Key Largo. But this is, um, uh, this is the backside. It's, um, they call, the, some people call these, the, these basket weavers, they, they live near Phoenix, Arizona. 
And some people call them Papago, but that's not what they call themselves. They call themselves Tohona O'odham. And this is a Tohona O'odham made with, uh, with yucca. And th this is, this is uh, a, something that you see on uh, petroglyphs sometimes. And he's called the man in the maze. And, uh, and for man, we just say, let's just say human. So the human in the maze. Mm -hmm. And the idea is this, it's kind of like my bus ride, <laughs> my cabin yeah. bus ride. Yeah. Is that, you know, we come in, we come in, we're all from the one source, right? So here's the yeah. center, here's the one source. We come and we think, oh, well, we'll go out and we'll have some fun and we'll, you know, whatever, we'll eat peaches and we'll fall in love and we'll do this and we'll do that. And then we can go back to the one source whenever we want to. But the thing is the universe remembers our path that we're supposed to take. So the universe keeps shifting the maze until we walk all the parts that we're supposed to walk. Wow, I have goosebumps. This is the first time and I next, And this is, uh, this is why I wanted it for my, for my logo. It's, uh, Anyway. The universe is shifting the maze. The this universe shifts. The, it, it's a path. Yeah. The, think of the maze as a path. So the universe, so the universe is guiding is, you. No matter your choices, the universe is mm -hmm. guiding you so that you still get to where, you sh where, where you're supposed to be on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not. We're all going to eventually end up, and we, I mean, if, if there is an all that is, which, of course, I think that, I mean, how can there not be an all that is? I mean, that's, if there is all that is, then, um, then we're all connected. So we're all eventually going to go back and be part of all that is in a different way than we are right now. But, um, but that's, and that's the one point. But I, to me, this is also... This is where we go when we go into the tiny space of our heart. We're That's part of all that is, and it's connected. Awakening the Illuminated Heart workshop? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Maybe not. I, I have to think about that some more. That's the first time I've ever said that, so eh, don't hold me to that. No, the tiny maybe, spaces in you know, the, yeah. But I mean, the tiny space is in the sacred space. But yes. if, if this is the one point, the one point that would, would be, be in the tiny space. Because that's where you meet source, the, the all that is. That's where, that's where you meet source. That's where everything is. Because there is only, we all have a sacred space, but we only have, the, all that is only has one tiny space and we yep. share it. That's why when we're there, we can find all those perfect answers. We can, we can go and we can invite Confucius to come talk to us, our grandparents. And yeah, so Jesus. ancestors, guides. Yeah, because we're all there. Yeah. So Margie. Um, I, I love baskets. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story. Normally this would be a 30 minute interview, but I couldn't stop you, especially because I wanted to hear yeah. that story with the drumming that people needed to hear. And I'm, I'm grateful that you connected it with your logo and the maze. Um, can you give us just, uh, so I hope we can make it short. Why heart imagery, Margie? Why do we need heart imagery? Uh, what does that bring? 
to our lives, our relationships, our community, our, our development. We need it because we've all been so well-trained by so many well-meaning people in ways to make our life successful in the society, whatever society we're in. I mean, and so the rules are different all over the place um, so that we don't get hurt because everybody, we all have hurts. Like my parents and my grandparents had, they didn't talk about them, but because they, because those folks didn't, but they had places where they were hurt. So they of course tried to, look at the road ahead and say, oh, she might get hurt there. So they give me a little bit of a tweak, kind of like you're adjusting, a, I don't know. So that's adjusting a protection something. system. That's a protection, it's a protection system. And so and that's one of the reasons that we need to, um, we need to find a way to filter out all those things that are not us. As, as well-intentioned and full of love as they were when they were given to us. Or maybe they, you know, maybe they were given to our parents who were given by their parents and by their parents. So acknowledge you know, that, these like, like see, see that, acknowledge that, acknowledge what they were accepted and allow it to, uh, to um, maybe disperse is not the right word, but uh, allow it to take another place in our life and find what's beyond that. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. detach from that because mm -hmm. that's not really Although we've used those things, they're not, we don't need them now. And so the, the quest is to find those things and just let them fall off. Kind of like, you know, petals on a flower. You know, what, what we're looking for is the seed. Because we're the seed, but we let the, we let the petals and the other stuff go off that were all around us and seem to, be, seem to be part of us. Seem to be totally part of us. And they were. So we, so we do our imagery exercises to clear out the clutter, if you will, so we can see it as clutter. And but when we do a fight, that, just so people oh. understand, this is, oh. this is a very smooth, loving, caring, uh, compassionate process and, uh, process oh, and yeah. it comes from neutrality. Can you say just a little bit of what heart imagery is? Like, can it give us a glimpse of that? And then. Heart imagery is, will it be the process of it? We start off with just really breathing and calming down. Because as soon as, if you look at your, your breath, very often you'll notice uh, if something happens, you feel a tightness somewhere. Yeah, shortness. There's tightness yeah. on your, it's short. It's short, and your, your breathing gets, you may even go over, but you're, yeah, you're, and so first thing we're going to do is we're going to open it up and let the breath, let the, the breath and the prana and invite the prana in to clear things out so that we can strengthen our, kind of like exercise in a way, strengthen our core so that we believe what we, what we can find. We believe the things that we that we hear and see and sense and feel in our hearts. So it's I mean, it's, I think it's a, a dear it's a um, well it's de decluttering, but you have to say thank you. You need to see it before you can. Well, I don't know if this is true. For me, it's true. 
okay. that I need to see it so that I can say, thank you. You've helped me in the past. You protected me, whatever. You, you protected me when I was 13. And I needed that to get through where I was at that time. So you're but bringing I consciousness. Think, you're bringing awareness. Yep. Yeah. And there are so many wonderful techniques to use to just kind of bring yourself back to where you are. Um, back to origin? Back to source? Back to origin. Yeah, back to origin. Absolutely. One example of how heart imagery uh, impacted you, like the, some, one example that really you can, you can always remember about uh, what helped you with heart imagery in the beginning or after, whatever stands out for you. Oh, gosh, I've been doing this a while, so that's a... <laughs> What surprised you the most? What was one moment where we'll be like, wow, uh, we can do that with heart imagery? Or I know it happens every time because I'm a practitioner and I know it happens every time. Every time is different. For those watching, heart imagery is unique every single time you do an exercise. There's always something unique. It, there's, there's no repeating. Could be the same yeah. teacher, could be the same exercise, but because it's in a different moment of your life, it's like you're tapping into a different dimension, a different, it's, it's absolutely unique and it's just yours. Whatever you get in is just yours. So can you give us something, <laughs> an example? If not you, do you know anybody, uh, an example where you witness somebody else going through something and that really well, was? The hard part is that there's so many, and, and, and I try to make it a point to when I see it and I let it go, I forget about it. You know? I know, I mean, it's, it's like in a way, because I, when like I'm working with clients, it. it's, it's an experience, I live it in the moment, and I'm not mm -hmm. stuck with it. It's like, what we're learning in heart imagery is not to um, cling on to events in the right. future or the past. You're living in the present, and when you're living in the present, you don't actually have them, all the de yeah. details and all that. Yeah. So I well, think it, the, yeah. One of the, I think one of the main things for me, just realization, mm -hmm. was that finally looking in, in my own heart and the things that I've done, I've always been very critical of myself. Me and too. <laughs> my wonderful parents, my wonderful parents thought, that once you knew something and you knew how to do something perfectly, that you were expected to always do that. Mm. So I'm sometimes I'm not very good with words and I say things that, and I go like, oh, that's not what I meant. But, but things, I, I have very high expectations. So anyway, through several um, classes and, and, and healing and letting things go and letting, you know, letting blue light kind of keep going through my body to push everything out physically and to do other stuff. Basically, I finally decided that I am actually okay. I am actually, you know, I can say that there was a book in the 70s, I think, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. Well, that's true and easy to say intellectually, yeah. but I, act, I actually am okay in that at this moment in time, 
I'm doing the very best I can with what I have. And um, I'm given a lot of opportunities to hug people and to love people. And I am grateful for that. And so I think that was, but I can't say which particular class did it. I, well, Awakening the Illuminated Heart. Well, actually, okay, we'll go back. I'll be really quick though, two minutes. Okay, conscious, you, you sense that who and what you are when you're activating your macabre back in the old way with, with um, the ancient flower of life. Okay. With Father Sky, Mother Earth, that was something that really resonated with me because I am an earth person. Yeah. I am connected to the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, for my meditations, I've got a stone bench and I lean against a tree, you know, and trees, I ask trees stuff. Uh, and they say really wise, non-judgmental things, actually. But um, what I've, okay, with that, I found out that I actually was connected. Uh, I wasn't loose. I wasn't like alone. Uh, mm -hmm. I was totally, I was totally connected. Then with uh, with awakening, I found out that I didn't know that there was, I mean, we always talk about her, but I didn't know there was a tiny space where I could just go and be. I mean, talk about your vacations. I mean, really, it's just, it, you know, and you can stay there. And sometimes I would get visitors, uh, you know, with some people that Drundla brought in, some of the plasma beings. There was a couple of those that just like stayed in there for a couple months. It's like, I, you know, um, but that, that, that again, that was, that was not me. That was, that was Drenvelo doing, you know, leading us into his deep meditation. So, but mm -hmm. um, with, and with these, I've, I think we have, we learn with heart imagery that we truly, that we really are connected and we actually are all connected. It's just, we just have to basically settle down and breathe and let it come to us and stop. Stop letting other people tell us who and what we are, you know, because yeah. they do their best. Most of, well, most of them are well-intentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not one of my aunts, but. Anyway, she, prob she probably is. She probably is too. We know some people anyway. too. Yeah. yeah. But it's the know. idea that through the heart, through heart imagery, you and through the the peace that it comes with it, you bring peace to your mind, and not you just bring it, you keep it. And and that is something we you and I are going to talk about in a free workshop we're planning together. So. Dear friends and whoever is watching this live or uh, or the recording, Margie and I gathered our our uh, wisdom, life experience, and teaching together. And uh, since yesterday, we started a collaboration, and we are going to teach heart imagery workshops. And because this month in United States, uh, we have Thanksgiving by uh, somewhere at the end of the month. And before that, on this week on uh, 11th, we have the Remembrance Day in Canada. 
we made this month uh, the gratitude month and Margie and I are going to teach once a week this week and next week an introductory workshop uh, about heart imagery as a gift and we call it the same name as this uh, this episode which is your heart knows your path and uh, I know today uh, we we talked about I, I let Margie uh, go beyond the time we set up uh, uh, it's okay uh, maybe I'm going to split this in two have episode one per one <laughs> episode one per two we'll see uh, but I wanted you to really see her story uh, because she has so much to give she has much more experience than I have and I'm joining forces so I can uh, also learn and um, this Friday we're gonna start at 7 p.m. EST for one hour and a half an introductory uh, introduction course I'm still working on the tech part so if you're interested uh, please comment here or leave me a message somewhere or write me at hello at andreapetro.ca I'm gonna have all the the email and other information in the comments and I also have the once I fix I fix the technical issue I'm gonna put the link to register to this uh, gift the free webinar and um this is not going to be recorded uh and for those coming we're going to have a gift a special uh a special gift for you for being live and for committing to yourself the next thing that is going to happen um is well actually the big thing is margie and i are going to teach this year and next well next year until summer at least so you're gonna see us more often you're gonna hear about us and i'm gonna keep you posted bear with me i'm i'm setting up a lot of stuff in my business and everything um margie um did i forget anything <laughs> no no okay no. one thing that you have as a message to the world, to everybody watching you now, what comes to you as a message regarding healing the world through oneness? Everybody has a part to play. And our challenge is to walk our path, and believe that we're supposed to do what our heart tells us to do because it's important it may not be obvious right in front of us um, and we must believe in ourselves that we that our part is important and sometimes we need to keep that path to ourselves because if we bring up something that's completely new into our like family reunion, there's going to be one or two that are going to say, you know, you can't do that, but we can. We really can. We have a part to play and we and we must believe in ourselves to know that it's important that we do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It matters so much to me to have you here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having patience with, with us, uh, with this life. Thank you. If what you heard touched you or helped you, 
please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite place for tuning in. Pay it forward by sharing it with others. I'll be here for you with the next episode. I'm Andrea Petruth, your Healing Through Oneness show host. Remember, we are connected. We are one.